0: Do you feel alone in the Christian life? Hi, this is Him We Proclaim with Dr. John Fonville. The psalmist spoke well when he described followers of Christ as being like sheep. And yes, it feels degrading to be described as sheep. But here's the reality. We tend to go astray. We follow others over a cliff. We're vulnerable to wolves. And we don't do a great job of feeding ourselves. In short, we need a shepherd. Well, the good news is, Jesus promised not to leave us as orphans to care for ourselves. Let's pick up now with the next message in the Gospel Mystery of Sanctification series called Not Left to Fend for Yourself. Here's John Fonville. Here's the question. How do you keep God's
1: law? How do you be a law keeper without killing yourself through failed attempts at holiness? Right? So that's what we're looking at. This is the question that we've been attempting to answer in this series that we're calling The Gospel Mystery of Sanctification. Uh, and this is the goal. This is the prayer that we have for this series is what Walter Marshall says in his book, The Gospel Mystery of Sanctification, is that my prayer for you is for God to enlarge your heart, to run in the way of his commandments with great cheerfulness, with joy and thanksgiving. That's how we want to do it, right? But often, what is law-keeping? What is our pursuit of holiness, our life of sanctification, our obedience, whatever you want to call it, too often is oppressive and is exasperating, isn't it? And why is this? Why are our attempts to obey God's moral will for our lives, why is it so difficult? Why is it so hard to learn? And so I've suggested to you, there's at least two reasons. I mean, there are a lot of reasons, but these are two fundamental reasons of why obedience, the pursuit of holiness, is so difficult. Is because the first one that we looked at is the gospel way of obedience is far above the way that we naturally think. As we saw that, uh, we, are, we are born wired for the law, not the gospel. The gospel, when we hear it, is this strange announcement that, that to the world it seems foolish and powerless. And, and then even to believers, to some extent, throughout our life, the, the gospel just sounds foolish. It, it's a strange announcement that comes out from outside of ourselves. So that's the first reason. Second We saw last week is the gospel way of obedience, the gospel pursuit of holiness is difficult, it's hard to learn, because it requires double the work. You looked at this last week, this double work involves unlearning many of these old deep-rooted notions of the way of life that the Bible calls holiness. And then after we unlearn it, and we're constantly doing this, we have to relearn a new way, the the gospel way of obedience and the pursuit of holiness. So we have to unlearn. We have to learn. And it's this double work that is constant. So let me give you a word of caution about that. When it comes to this process of unlearning and learning a, a new way of obedience, there's a potential danger involved. Because many times when believers hear that they have to do this double work, they have to unlearn, they have to learn, they make this mistake. And this is the mistake they want to caution you against. They make the mistake of thinking that this process rests on their own solo effort. When when, when you hear what you have to unlearn and you've got to relearn and you've got to preach the gospel to yourself and there are things you need to you don't make the mistake of thinking, i got to go fly solo. That, that this effort is up to myself, right? Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, because this just helps us give a framework to what we're thinking about. Uh, Willow Creek, everybody's heard of Willow Creek. About a decade ago, about about 2007, maybe a little bit longer than a decade, they conducted a multiple-year study of its ministry throughout its church. And the purpose of their study was to know what programs and activities of the church are actually helping people to grow spiritually mature in Christ. And so the results of this study was published in a book called Reveal, Where Are You? Question mark. Uh, Bill Hybels, who was the former pastor of that church, he said that the the, the findings that they had, he said, were, quote, earth-shaking, groundbreaking, and mind-blowing. And so I want you to listen to the conclusion that this church came up with as to uh, what was, how best to help believers grow spiritually mature. And so this is what Hybels said. He says, quote, he says, we made a mistake. So it was a church that were making a mistake on how to mature believers in Christ. He says, we made a mistake. He says, what we shouldn't have done when people cross the line of faith and become Christians, he says, we should have started telling people and teaching people that they have to take responsibility to become self-feeders. He says, we should have gotten people and taught people how to read their Bible between service, how to do the spiritual practices much more aggressively on their own, end quote. And so what I'm suggesting to you is this, is that we need to avoid this notion of self-feeding. We need to avoid that. When you hear you've got to unlearn and relearn a new way of gospel obedience, it's not a solo effort. Yes, we need to practice spiritual discipline. Since becoming an Anglican, uh, following the daily office. This has been one of the single most helpful spiritual disciplines on a daily basis I've ever done. And for my family, and my children too. It has been formative and shaping and powerful, and we love it. We do it as a family. Uh, Sometimes, uh, when we're trying to get to school, um, it's about a two and a half minute process. (laughs) But we get the Lord's Prayer in, you know, we get in some confession of sin, and we get in like a couple Bible verses, and uh, we get it in there, but it's formative and shaping. And so, we do need to practice spiritual disciplines, we do need to have the pursuit of, of these things. And we do need to learn to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We we need to do these things. Here's the problem with preaching the gospel to ourselves every day, this discipline of doing this. Let me give you a little insight about that. The reality is we don't preach the gospel well to ourselves. And so the problem with self-feeding is that sheep don't feed themselves with proper nutrition. I was just reading about the eating habits of sheep this week from an Australian sheep farmer, because I wanted to make sure I understood about the eating habits of sheep. So I want you to listen to what this Australian sheep farmer said about the dietary eating habits of sheep. Quote, he says, if anyone tries to tell you that sheep have an instinct to eat the right food, just laugh. Like we're doing, right? (laughs) You see, the problem with this solo approach, this churchless Christianity to spiritual growth is that it creates spiritual orphans. How often has the church abandoned believers and left it to themselves to grow spiritually? You see, self-feeding creates spiritual orphans because it sets aside our ascended Lord's gifts that he's poured out upon his church that we've already prayed about this morning at Pentecost for the express purpose of helping believers grow and become mature in Christ. And so the good news is this, is that Jesus, just as he promised prior to his ascension, he has not left us as orphans to care for ourselves. We don't have to live with the burden of trying to do the double work and feeding myself. You see, because listen, the gospel not only creates individual believers, but it also creates a visible community called the church. And so the visible church is like a lush green pasture where Christ's sheep come to feed on a continual diet of word and sacrament. Week after week after week over a lifetime. And so, what Christ has done is he has established his visible church as the primary place because the church is not just a people, the invisible church, the church is also a place. The church is a, both a people and a place. And so Christ has established his visible church as the primary place where this lifelong process of unlearning and relearning takes place. How do we know this? Well, this is what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4. He says that upon his ascension, when Christ triumphantly ascended to the right hand of the Father, and we looked at that this morning in catechism class, and many people found great comfort to that doctrine. It's It's wonderful. But upon his ascension, uh, Paul says that, the, that our ascended risen Lord, he is the gift giver. He poured out his gifts, or literally his gifted ones, upon his church for the purpose of bringing believers into the fullness of Christ. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul says about the church in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. He says, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and listen, and he gave gifts to men. He's the gift giver. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens, all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And listen to the gifts that he gave. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. And listen, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And what, was these, what were these gifts in this threefold task for? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs, and this is amazing, to the fullness of Christ. Can you imagine being brought into the, the fullness of Christ yourself? And so when the Apostle Paul speaks of growing up, when he, when he speaks of becoming mature in Christ, his first thought is not self-feeding. His first thought here is us of being recipients of the work of ministry that Christ gave to his church. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul says that when Christ ascended on high, he gave gifts, literally gifted ones, to his church. And in verse 12, Paul tells us that Christ gifted, he gave gifted ones to perform three tasks. He gave these gifts, these gifted ones, to equip the saints, he gave these gifted ones for the work of the ministry. And he gave these gifted ones for the building up of the body of Christ. And in verse 13, he says the purpose of this threefold task of his gifts to the church are for believers to become mature in Christ, to come into the fullness of Christ. And so he makes this vital distinction between those who labor in preaching and teaching God's word in the church and those who profit from that labor. This is a very, very high view of the ministry. This is why Calvin says in his institutes when he's writing about the ministry, he says that there's nothing more notable or glorious in the church than the ministry of the gospel, for it is the ministry of righteousness and life and salvation. And so the ascended Christ pouring out of his gifted ones on the church is why we need to faithfully come to Christ's visible church week after week. I'm gonna have much more to say about this. The visible church is where we are, where we come to be recipients of the ascended Christ's gifts to us. That's why I'll always remind you: what is church, the visible church on Sunday morning? It's Christmas time. You're like a little child who can't wait on Saturday night cuz Christmas day's coming. Cuz the gift-giver is going to be present and he is going to be there through the Holy Spirit, through the office of ministry that he has poured out on his church to give me his gifts so that I can grow up into the fullness of Christ. These gifts is word and sacrament. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. They're his gifts to you. And so it is to his visible church that our Lord entrusted the ministry of word and sacrament to duly ordained pastors and teachers. And so the visible church is a place where we come to sit and we come to listen and we come to learn from Christ who calls out to us like this from the comfortable words. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He's saying, just come into my lush green pasture of word and sacrament and just feed and rest You see, as sheep, we don't preach the gospel well to ourselves. We don't have an instinct to eat the right food. And Jesus, out of his care and wisdom for us, knows that. And so he has poured out gifted ones whom he has empowered to do it for you, to help you. The Holy Spirit descends to feed our souls through the means he's promised to bless both his preached word, particularly his gospel, and his administered sacraments, the visible gospels in the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. In their book, Sacred Bond*, Michael Brown and Zach Hill explain how this works on Sunday. Listen, this is one of the most beautiful explanations of what I've heard about what takes place on Sunday that I've ever read. They said, by the proclamation of the gospel in the public assembly of his people, God reassures us of his covenant of grace. Listen, telling us what our own hearts cannot. When you can't preach the gospel to yourself well, you come to church and God will tell you what your own heart cannot tell itself. What is it that God tells you? through the public proclamation of the gospel, that his son has satisfied the demands of his law and the old covenant and redeemed us from its curse. He kills us with his law, and he raises us up again with his gospel. By the power of his preached word, he refreshes our souls with the living water of Christ. He nourishes us so that we may grow up into salvation, 1 Peter 2, 2. And he causes our hearts to rejoice in the promise of glorified life. He also causes us to commune with him by feeding us with the body and blood of Christ in heaven, who secured for us a new and living way into the holy of holies. The cup of blessing that we bless, says Paul, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? 1 Corinthians 10, 16. When we receive the sacrament in faith, Christ himself feeds and nourishes our souls to everlasting life. Just as the preached gospel is God's new covenant promise, the Lord's Supper is his new covenant meal. Truly, we are assured of his promise and pledge that we are his people And he is our God. You can't get a better happy meal than that. (laughs) You can't get a nutritional meal served to you like that any place else in this world except in Christ's visible church. This is why Cyprian in the third century famously said this, he can no longer have God for his father who has not the church for his mother. The church is your mother where you come to be nurtured for a lifetime. The visible church is our mother where we are continually nurtured through Christ's gifted ones by means of word and sacrament week after week because the definition of a disciple is what? What? Disciple just simply means lifelong learner. And the visible church is the primary place and context where this lifelong learning, this lifelong unlearning, and this lifelong learning, this double work takes place. The visible church is where we sit and learn from Christ's gifted ones in the school of grace because the church is a theater of grace. It's a place of grace and gift. In the great commission in matthew chapter 28 the the great commission that jesus gave is not a solo mission it's an ecclesiastical mandate it's an ecclesiastical co-mission. it's a specific mandate to the visible church to make disciples by means of word and sacrament go and make disciples by means of baptizing and teaching that's word and sacrament and so if we want to see what does a great commission look like in practice, you don't have to look any further than the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, as again I referred to you, this whole service began with the day of Pentecost. We are talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The ascended Christ poured out the Holy Spirit. And, and on the day of Pentecost, listen... The Lord pours out his spirit, and what was the result in Acts chapter 2? Listen to the progression, and this is the Great Commission. Peter, when he uh, receives the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he immediately proclaims the gospel, a Christ-centered message from the Old Testament scriptures. Christ-centered exposition, historical redemptive fulfillment of Christ. And then after he preaches this gospel message from the Old Testament Scriptures, it's followed by baptism. And listen, and the newly created and baptized believers are then added to the visible church. And this is what Luke writes in chapter 2, verse 42. When they were added to the visible church, what did they devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship into the breaking of bread and the prayers. So listen to what Luke is telling us in Acts 2. Their discipleship began with the word, the gospel, and sacrament, baptism. And when they were initiated into the visible church through word and sacrament, their discipleship continued to center on the ordinary ministry of the word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching And they continually devoted themselves to the sacrament, the breaking of bread, Holy Communion. The sacrament of initiation, baptism, and the sacrament of continual covenant renewal. God continually assuring our hearts that he is for us. The Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, the breaking of bread. That is what the Great Commission looks like. And so we see that it is in the context of the visible church where Christ's gifted ones administer the ordinary means of word and sacrament. And through this, believers are not only created, but they are nurtured and discipled into Christ's image over a lifetime. So as we reflect this morning on the central importance of the visible church, I want to leave you with this thought, and here it is, and and as I said, we'll come back and we'll expand on this in the weeks ahead, but, but I want to get your thinking cap on about it. Here's the thought I want you to leave you with. We need to faithfully attend the visible church. We really do. This is what the author of Hebrews says. Do not neglect the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some. And it's not because, oh boy, here we go, the lecture. It's because when you don't faithfully attend Christ's visible church, you don't receive his gifts that build you up. Because he is the gift giver, and he wants to gift you weekly. You see, it's completely different. It's not I have to, it's I can't wait. It's Christmas morning again, this week again. And I get to have it 52 times a year. (laughs) At least that, right? Perhaps more. Because we we come to the visible church, which is the lush green pasture where we feed a sheep. Because this is the primary means by which we grow well in the faith. We come faithfully to the visible church to receive the gift giver's gifts through his gifted one so that we can grow into the fullness of Christ. Christ. Michael Horton says there's no distinction in the New Testament between being a disciple and belonging to the church. Not just to the invisible church of regenerate believers, but to the visible church, a place. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus, our risen and ascended Lord. We thank you that he is the gift giver, that you are the gift giver, that the Holy Spirit is the gift, and that the Holy Spirit has created through the gospel this place of grace, this theater of grace called the visible church where gifted ones empowered by your spirit are given to build up believers into the fullness of Christ. What a beautiful thing and work you have done. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thanks, John. The message you just heard is called Not Left to Fend for Yourself. More from the Gospel Mystery of Sanctification series coming up next time. The mission of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. And it's our prayer that your heart will be filled with joy and a clear understanding of the gospel and God's word. If you want to hear a past broadcast, check out our podcast in iTunes or download our app. Just search for Dr. John Fonville in iTunes or Google Play. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to visit Pastor John's church in Jacksonville, Florida, you're always welcome. You can find out more at paramountchurch.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time.